This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on sportstalksc.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network on a very busy Tuesday night. Great to have you with us. Hope you're having a good afternoon. You've had a great day, and you're, you're heading home in the overcast conditions over most of the state. Some rain out there as well. Up in the upstate, we are for Clemson and Pitt at Little John Coliseum. They'll tip it off a little bit after 7 o'clock across the street from me, Clemson and Upstate are playing baseball this afternoon. We'll stay on top of what's happening with that one. In Columbia, South Carolina is playing Gardner-Webb, and we'll stay on top of what's happening in that one as well. We'll update both of those games here shortly. Coastal Carolina is also in action. We'll stay on top of that and update that one for you as well, coming up in just a little bit. We'll hear from USC's new tight end, Brady Hunt, the transfer from Ball State, we had a chance to talk to recently. Let you hear that conversation coming up in a little bit. Chris Bergen will be joining us. I'll be leaving at around 7 and handing the baton off to Maddie Smith, who will join us at 7.05. Josh Cohen is back at our studios in Columbia. Uh, we'll have Josh Harris from Darlington with us as well to talk about that fantastic, that fantastic race in Atlanta. Man, can't get much more exciting than what they had in Atlanta with three abreast going to the checkered flags, one of the closest finishes in NASCAR history, apparently not as close as the one at Darlington many springs ago. That's still the record for the closest. we got all that for you and some recruiting information to talk about too. Our phone number, if you want to jump on board with us and catch up on what we talked about last night and more, our phone number is 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to reach us here on Sports Talk tonight. And we'll preview this Clemson-Pitt uh, game, which is a very important game for both of these teams as they are tied for fifth in the ACC as they're looking for ACC tournament seeding. Uh, Clemson looking to improve their chances for the NCAA bracket. Pitts, one of those bubble teams, could certainly take a big step forward uh, with the win tonight on the road against Clemson. So we got all that to talk about tonight on the program. Across the street from us, they're in the bottom of the seventh in a game that's gone back and forth. The baseballs have been flying out of Doug Kingsmore today. Clemson now leading upstate 7-6 to six in the bottom of the seventh inning. And as I mentioned, a lot of home run balls in this one thus far. I guess the the wind has uh, played a big uh, factor across the street. Didn't notice it being all that windy walking in, but listening to the guys on the radio, they were talking about the wind. Uh, Wright has homered for Clemson. That was in the bottom of the first. Taylor homered for Clemson in the bottom of the second. Gurnon homered for Upstate in the top of the fourth. Taylor again for Clemson in the bottom of the fourth. Sullivan for Upstate in the top of the fifth. 
over top for Clemson in the bottom of the fifth, and Taylor again for Clemson in the bottom of the sixth. Have a day. He's got three home runs so far. Will Taylor does. Concentrating on baseball is a good thing for him. Uh, he has got three homers and three RBIs and three hits on the day. So Clemson tied up in a tight one. South Carolina has taken a 7-1 lead on Gardner-Webb. They're in the top of the seventh. Gamecocks trailed early 1-0, but then a seven-run fifth inning for the Gamecocks. That's got them on top 7-1. Acastis had a three-run homer to right for the Gamecocks in that inning, and so they are now cruising 7-1 over Gardner-Webb in the top of the seventh. Let's welcome in Chris Bergen from the Bergie Palace down in beautiful Sardis, South Carolina, back from his golf outing. Of course, he was back last night. How are yes, you, sir? Hope you're having well, a good thank day. You. Yeah, I am. I've watched it rain some here in Florence, and evidently that has matriculated its way over to the uh, Midlands as they have now gone into a rain delay. Oh. Exactly what you want if you're the Gamecocks up 7-1. to one, You want to see the rains come, but evidently they opened up the skies with that huge inning that they had to uh, get past Gardner-Webb. It's interesting today. Both Clemson and South Carolina are playing the two favorites in the Big South this year. Upstate was the preseason number one, and Gardner-Webb the preseason number two. Gardner-Webb acquitted itself very nicely through about the first four or so innings, and Upstate has certainly played well enough to win here today if they're able to uh, seesaw back the other direction. But two pretty good baseball teams outside of the ones we normally get a chance to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and another good matchup today is taking place in Conway where number 21 Campbell's playing number 20 Coastal. Coastal had a really good week last week, and they're up 6-2 to two in the bottom of the sixth in this one. And let's see what's happened here for Coastal. Uh, Barthel has homered, and um, Beach has homered. That's a two-run homer. So they've gotten a couple of home runs so far in support of their uh, starting pitcher, O'Neill, who went five innings, two hits, a run, one earned. And now Fluky, <laughs> he's in boy. the ballgame. <laughs> he's in the ballgame. He's pitched an inning. He's allowed a run. He's uh, struck out a couple, and he's walked a couple as well. So keep an eye on that. Now Clemson's added another run. They're up 8-6, to six, bottom of the seventh. Let me see if that turned out to be a home run as well. Uh, no, that run scored on an error. So Tigers are up 8-6. to six in the bottom of the seventh inning. So tonight, here at Little John, looking forward to it. This should be a good one. Clemson and Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh having a really good year, 18-9, and 9-7. Clemson, 19-8, and 9-7. And, and uh, the Tigers, of course, already being uh, penciled in pretty solidly for the NCAA tournament. And Pittsburgh's one of those names written in, uh, in pencil and not ink. Uh, they are um, they're more on the bubble than Clemson is. Jeff Capel, in his sixth season, 93-90, and 90, as the head coach of the Panthers. And this would be a big win for them if they could pull it off, but equally a big win for Clemson, a solid win for Clemson if they could put it off. But Pitt comes in as one of the hot teams in the ACC. They have won six of their last seven. That lone loss was a blowout at Wake Forest. They did not storm the court at Wake Forest after that particular W, though they won by 33 points. But their last time out, uh, Pittsburgh beat Virginia Tech at home 79-64. So good matchup for Clemson. 
see what kind of performance the Tigers can manufacture tonight uh, coming off their win last time out, uh, despite the fact that they did not have much uh, offensive production from P.J. Hall. you got to figure he's going to try to bounce back and have a big performance both scoring and on the boards. He was held to seven points and got into early foul trouble. He'll try to avoid that tonight for sure. Uh, we'll see tonight Federico Federico, 6'11", junior, leader on the team in field goal percentage and blocks. He's averaging about five points, a little over five rebounds per game. Of course, his brother is committed to South Carolina to come play for the Gamecocks starting next year. But he's one of the bigs for pitch you have to be uh, concerned about inside at uh, 6'11", 225 pounds. He gives them some good size in there. They have another big seven-footer, Guillermo Diaz-Graham. He's averaging seven points, four rebounds a game. So you got to keep an eye on him as well inside. They have obviously a team with um, with some good size. The leading scorer is Blake Henson. He's a 6'8 forward, averaging about 19 points, five rebounds per game. He's dangerous. Ishmael Leggett. Yeah, Ishmael Leggett. Um who's a 6'3 guard, averaging over 12 points and five rebounds per game. And then Carlton Carrington, he's the distributor. He's the freshman, but he can also score 13 points, five rebounds, four assists per game. So dangerous team the Tigers are going to be facing tonight, Chris. This is a team that uh, has got good size, and they've got some guys that can um, score from the outside. So good matchup tonight. It's going to take a good effort for Clemson. Uh, this is a, a, a Pittsburgh team like Clemson that can play some good defense as well. Um, they score 75 a game. They give up 67 a game. Clemson scores 78, gives up 71. I think this will probably be a game played in the 60s. What do you think? Well, um, I'm going to say it actually get up in the 70s, and I'll give you the reason why in just a second. But I believe you could probably win a trivia if you want to get some free food tonight. Mm. Wander down through the stands at Little John, and every Clemson fan you face, ask them when the last time they played Pittsburgh was. And I would bet you the majority of them would say sometime last year. Yeah. It's been so long since these two teams. Remember, these two teams actually opened up ACC play back on December the 3rd. And that was a game that Clemson won 79-70 at, at Pitt. But I don't know how many people remember. They've already played once this season because the game was so long ago. Yeah. And you talked about you, t- you talked about Blake Henson. Uh, he put up 27 in that game against, uh, against the Tigers and kept single-handedly kept Pittsburgh in the game. The problem was they could not keep the Tigers off the backboards. They out-rebounded. Clemson did Pittsburgh by seven. P.J. Hall had a double-double en route to the ACC Player of the Week, 22-11. and 11. Ian Shefflin had a ridiculous 17 rebounds. But their biggest concern, and I'm sure that will be something that Jeff Cable talks to his team about tonight, cannot give up the three. Clemson hit 11 in the first meeting, six by Joe Girard by himself. He was six of nine. He scored 25 points in that game. So my guess is as, as concerning as both Shefflin and P.J. Hall will be for Pittsburgh, They've got to find a way to do a better job on the perimeter and, and cut down on the amount of threes or they won't win tonight. Well, Clemson has picked it up with their shooting. Uh, Gerard has been spectacular over the last uh, few games. He's got his confidence back. They're getting a, a real boost off the bench from R.J. Godfrey, who's coming mm-hmm. in giving them a lot of good minutes, especially uh, hitting the boards, but also scoring inside for the Tigers. You mentioned Shefflin. Uh, Shefflin he's been solid all year. You can expect from him 
anywhere from 10 to 15 points per game and always around eight or nine rebounds. And, of course, Chase Hunter, as Brownell has said, has been playing at such a high level. You get all that going together and you're playing at home, even against a good team like Pittsburgh, no reason why Clemson can't win this thing tonight, which would be their 20th win on the season. And now you're talking about Brad Brownell. What has he done at Clemson? If he wins another game, it's back-to-back 20-win seasons for him at Clemson for just the second time. He did it in 18. They went 25-10 and 10 into the Sweet 16 and did it in 19 but went to the NIT. They were 20-14. and 14. Do it tonight or subsequently down the road, get one more mm-hmm. win. That's 20 wins, and that's back-to-back years. This team's certainly looking as if it's headed to the NCAA tournament. And then what do you do contract-wise if you're Graham Neff, the AD at Clemson? What kind of extension do you give Brad Brownell, your all-time winningest coach, and a guy who is, um, as I think real quickly, if he's not the dean of ACC head basketball coaches, he's not he's not far from it. I guess um, – Bennett at Virginia might have a longer tenure than Brownell. He would be my first guess. Yeah. He would, yeah. I'd have to look at everybody and see. But, I mean, you're going to have to do something after this season, either extend them or make a change. If you make the NCAA tournament, it's a no-brainer if Brownell wants to stay, which from all indications he's never indicated a desire uh, to want to leave. So you would think they, met, they would take him, you know, back to four or five years, don't you think? I would think they have to. I, I know he gets a lot of criticism for not getting to the tournament and, and not doing this and not doing that. But you look what Brad Brownell has done throughout his career at Clemson. Yeah, they've only gone to a Sweet 16 once. And I think what actually hurt him is the fact that the Gamecocks one time was, were able to go to the Final Four. And that put probably more additional pressure on him than necessary. But he's only missed the tournament here the last since 2016-17. He's only missed the tournament twice. One time covid canceled the tournament out for everybody and then two mm-hmm. seasons ago when they didn't go but they they went last year to the nit probably should have gone to the ncaa tournament they're definitely going to the ncaa tournament this season with their net rankings and they'll have 22 23 wins i would think by the time the acc tournament is done yeah you've got to extend his contract because if you don't and you're graham neff what kind of message are you sending to brad brown now I, I take this team to the postseason it may not be deep into the postseason it may not always be to the ncaa tournament but if they go this year, which I think they will, to be the third time in the last, what, seven years? I, I don't know what else you can ask of him. And as you pointed out, winning his coach at Clemson, you, you've got to show him that you're behind him still and you understand the job he has done and just cut out some of that outside noise and extend his contract because I think he's earned it. Yeah, I think it's either, it's either extend or show the door. I don't, I don't right, think. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I think, uh, and, you know, I, it's a tough job. It's tough. It's a tough job at Clemson. Everybody knows that. Everybody says that. Not making any excuses. It's a difficult basketball job. Should they go more often to the NCAA tournament? Should South Carolina go more often to the NCAA tournament? Hard to get to the tournament. I mean, there's a mm-hmm. few that, of course, expect to go every year, but North Carolina didn't go last year. Um, Eddie Fogler used to love to point out the difference in the percentage of teams that play Division I basketball who make the tournament compared to the number of teams who play FBS football and go to a bowl game. It's ridiculous the percentage difference between the two. When you consider there's, what, 300 and 
what, 93, 90? I think, something yeah. like that. I mean, there's Somewhere a lot of D1 yeah. basketball teams, and only 68 make it, okay? That's not a big percentage, but as we well know, uh, over half your football teams make it to a bowl game. So mm-hmm. they can't hardly fill out their bowl sl- slots with teams with winning records. They have to take a team with a losing record but a high um, APR. So I think that, uh, you know, Brad Brownell has done a very, very good job at Clemson over his years. I now, agree. I think that the league has slipped. I, I mean, the, the good the good teams are still the good teams, but up and down the ACC, I don't think there's any question that the league has slipped. Uh, the SEC has surpassed it. The Big Ten has surpassed it. Um, and so that's maybe made his job a little bit easier. And um, he's been able to beat North Carolina up there a couple of times. He's beaten them here at Little John. He's beaten Duke. He's gotten some very, very big wins over his career. I don't know what, as a – if you're a Clemson basketball fan just saying, hey, you know, I want to go to the tournament, I want to go to the tournament. Well, everybody wants to go to the tournament. But I think he's been very competitive most of the time. And you mentioned the trips to the NCAA tournament. You missed the, the, the close uh, misses that they've had. There's no question they should have been in the NCAA tournament last year, how they did not make it yeah. with that record both overall and in the ACC. Say what you will about the ACC. That was a, that was a very, uh, uh, you know, a sickening decision on behalf of the Clemson basketball team for those guys not to make it to the NCAA tournament last year, and it showed when they went and played in the NIT and got mm-hmm. got bounced at home. I mean, their their heart just wasn't in it. But and understandably, I mean, they went fourteen and six in the ACC last year. That should have been enough. Uh, they finished in the upper half of the league. But again, Clemson and South Carolina have said this forever. They always have to do a little bit more. And if Clemson had not lost to the Gamecocks, ironically enough, earlier in the season and had some, you know, they had some bad losses in there. And I think those bad losses overshadowed a lot of their good wins and the quality work that they did throughout the season. I don't, and I think they've taken that upon themselves this year to make sure they don't have many of those, if all, uh, this season. And I think that they've taken care of what they need to. And tonight will be another nice win for them at home if they're able to get it. And to go back to your earlier statement, uh, Leonard Hamilton would probably be the uh, dean ah. of coaching in the S- uh, the ACC right now at Florida State because he's yeah. been there, believe it or not, since 02. Yeah. And he may be a guy who's about to leave one way or the other, too. Yeah. He may be well, out at the end of his coaching tenure. They had a very nice run there for a few mm-hmm. years, and all of a sudden it's it's gone south on him. But, yeah, that's an excellent point. He would probably be the one. Okay. Now, phone number, 888-898-2525. Clemson has extended its lead. Over upstate to 11-8. to eight. They're in the top of the eighth. South Carolina is in a rain delay, but they are starting to uh, trickle back out onto the field. Looks like they'll be getting underway again pretty soon. 7-1 Gamecocks top of the seventh. And Coastal is leading Campbell 6-2 down in Conway as they play in the bottom of the seventh. I have to issue an apology from last night, Chris. I have to issue an apology. Oh. Well, because... One of our listeners who was writing on our stream criticized me for eating on the air because I was, <laughs> and I said, no, I didn't do that. I was eating between breaks, and while you were talking, I never carried it over to the air. But sure enough, I was going back and listening to a couple of things last night. I did hear myself chewing mm-hmm. while trying to talk. So that is very unprofessional. Not only that, I lied about it, so I, I've, I've doubled my penalty 
So as part of my penalty, I will not eat any popcorn up here at Clemson tonight. I'll stay away from the popcorn while we're, while we're on the air. But uh, Man, apologizing harsh... for calling the, the, um, the writer of that comment, uh, for calling him out and saying that he was wrong. He was right. I was wrong. Wow. Wow. That, that's a harsher penalty than the SEC handed down to Alan Flanagan for his flagrant elbow. I'm a man. I'm a man that uh, I can look myself in the mirror, and I can take the punishment, and I can admit the crime. (laughs) So, I was eating while I was on the air, and that was a that was a big no no. So that that won't happen again. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five is our phone number. Going to be up here at Clemson overnight because. Tomorrow, Dabo Sweeney is going to be meeting with the media early afternoon. Made no sense to go back home and uh, turn around and come back up. So we'll be here for Dabo Sweeney tomorrow. Have that covered for you during the day on our website, sportstalksc.com. Looking forward to hearing what he has to say about his team, some off-the-field things that have happened with his team since the end of last season. And... uh, what especially they plan to do on offense. Larry Williams from Tiger Illustrated has done a very good job over the last couple of weeks in his story writing about the Clemson offense and pointing out factually by citing facts and stats how limited the Tigers have been, especially last year, when it comes to big plays Mm -hmm. and how that's just been lacking from their arsenal since the days of Trevor Lawrence and can they go and find the big play once again in their offense, the down-the-field strike, the big play in the running game. When we talked about it during the season, it was obvious it wasn't happening, it wasn't there, and he went back and, and noted statistically where you can't run and hide from it. The Tigers have got to find a running game that is um, a little bit more explosive and some more explosive plays down the field. That's why Garrett Riley was hired to make that happen. You'd have to say they failed miserably in that category last season. I would agree, and I, I would give Clemson some credits. Uh, midway through the season, they made a concerted effort. They realized that was the problem, and they made a concerted effort to turn around and hand the ball off to Will Shipley, hand the ball off to Phil Moffa, and go let their defense win games for them. And it worked out great for them down the stretch. I mean, they, they went undefeated in November, finished off with a bowl win. So that strategy worked well to salvage the season for them last year, Phil. But I'm not sure that's a strategy, especially now with Shipley gone to the NFL. I'm not so sure that's a strategy that's going to work for them moving forward. And it's certainly not the reason they brought, as you pointed out, Garrett Riley there to just turn and hand the ball off. I don't think he probably enjoyed that all that much. He just realized that's what they had to do last year to win ball games. And to his credit, that's what they did to win ball games. All right, we'll update some other news notes of the day coming up shortly. Let's go to the phones and our phone number, 888-898-2525. Love to hear from you tonight. Go to Jamie in Orlando, Florida. Jamie, welcome to Sports Talk. How are you? Good evening. Good evening, Phil. How are you? We're doing great. It's great to hear from you. Well, listen, I've got to uh, a little, uh, you know, and uh, Clemson, uh, did win a bowl game last year. Let's remember that. And since this is probably Shane Beamer's last season coming up in Columbia, what do you think that the, the one? What do you think the Gamecocks have to do for Shane Beamer to keep his job? And two, I want to talk to you a little bit about Brad Brownell and the tournament. My biggest beef is that you look at Money Lee. He got fired, I think, after six, seven years, and I think he went to five tournaments 
in seven years or four tournaments in seven years. And here Brad Brownell is sitting here. He's been to three tournaments in 14 years, okay? Three tournaments in 14 years, and one of those wasn't even his team, okay? I don't care about the near misses. I don't care that they weren't there last year. I don't care that they should have been because the fact is they weren't, you know. And I, I'm just, I'm tired of it, you know. And they're not a lot to go this year. I mean, they've got, they, they in good, they're in good shape, but they've got to finish out. What happens if they, if they right. lose the next four ball game? All right, hang and on. We gotta, I got to hit a break. Hold on, and they get bounced in the ACC tournament. What happens? Hang on, hang on. We'll come back to you, answer your questions, more of your comments after the break. Be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Cornblue, Chris Bergen, Josh Cohen, and our phone number, 888-898-2525. Back to Jamie in just a second, and we can answer some of those questions, talk about some other things. One note on South Carolina and the wide receiver position, the boys at the Big Spur, Josh Whittle and company. Uh, John Whittle, not Josh. John Whittle and company. Maybe John should change his name to Josh. Anyway, John Whittle and company at the Big Spur had floated the name of Mike Fury, the head coach at Limestone, a former NFL receiver, as a candidate for the job at South Carolina. As they put it, someone to know. And so we'll see if perhaps that's the guy. It would would be a very good hire. A lot of NFL background in his coaching days. And I think Beamer likes guys with NFL coaching backgrounds if he, he can does. find them. And a guy with South Carolina ties at Limestone, two stints at Limestone, successful both times at Limestone, did a great job this year. Uh, back-to-back Division II playoff appearances for them. I believe they went to the playoffs this year as well as last year. So that's a name that's been tossed out there by the Big Spur as a potential Wide receiver coach for South Carolina. We'll see where that leads. But Mike Fury would be a – I'm sorry, Mike Furry. It's pronounced Furry. Looks like Fury, but pronounced Furry. Uh, he would be uh, an excellent hire. I mean, from our exposure to him, from interviewing him on our trips to Limestone, he is um, He's a, he is a, a fitness freak. He, he loves to work out with his guys. You know, from his NFL days, he's maintaining his NFL body. He is well put together. He could line up and play with you. And, you know, he's one of those guys that had to do it the hard way. He came up through a a small college situation, I believe, had to go the NFL, the the free agent route, probably had to earn his contract every year, and he did. Um, Played in Detroit, also played in – and I'm just going off memory here. I know he played in Detroit, maybe played in Cincinnati, uh, but coached with the Bears. I think he might have coached Alshon Jeffrey when he was with the Bears. 
I don't know. I haven't looked it up. I don't know if he was there the same time that Dowell Loggins was in Chicago. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. Maybe they, they know each other from there. Maybe they don't. But that's a name that's been kicked around by the big spur to keep an eye on. So we'll keep an eye on it and see what happens. In the meantime, let's go back to Jamie in Orlando. Okay. Continue where you were before we hit the break, if you would. I don't even remember where I was at. I really don't. Well, you were talking about how much you love sports talk and what a great guy I am, and then we had to <laughs> yeah, hit the break. I will, I will, I'll agree with that. Okay, we'll go with that. I do love, mm-hmm. I do love the show very much. Uh, you know, it's just, it's, it just is what it is. I mean, mm-hmm. all right. I, so they, 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 you want you you think Brownell should be doing more? What 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 is your expectation of this basketball program? My expectation is for every player that comes through Clemson, whether it be in year one or year four, to play in an NCAA tournament. One time. That's reasonable. I, I think that's reasonable. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I and, think that's reasonable. And yeah, they talk about well, they didn't belong last year. Well. The committee kind of got it right because you look at their performance against Moorhead State. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. They, I wasn't at that NIT game, but after not getting into the tournament and then having a couple of days to turn it around and play Moorhead State in front of practically, I, I imagine I haven't I have to go back and look at the attendance. It probably wasn't very much. I mean, and then they, I don't think they I, were their, I, their heads and their hearts were really into it. Well. Basketball is a great game. I have learned that over over the years. But I, I want basketball to be held to the same expectations that other sports are at Clemson. Oh, I think I think from the from the AD's office on down, the expectations are uh, maybe I should say the hopes are. That was another thing that Fogler got really ticked off about with Mike McGee, because McGee made the comment that the expectation was to make the NCAA a tournament every year. Remember that? He really ticked off Fogler during their right. time of fighting with one another because he publicly said that, and Fogler's like, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. Now, he well, said the goal should be the goal should be the tournament, but the expectation, very few teams in the country can really have legitimate expectations of making the tournament every year. And even but some of those on. teams don't make it, like North Carolina didn't make it last year. But but things have gotten easier. We talk about the transfer portal and how much we like it or don't like it. But things have gotten easier as far as recruiting because you've got a transfer portal out there. Well, but okay. you know what? And Other teams are using the portal too. North Carolina's yeah, using the portal. One of their one of their best players came from Stanford this year. Um, and you're not Clemson. the only one using the yeah. You're not the and only Clemson. one using the the portal. And one of Clemson's well, best players this year is, is through portal. For coaches to do that. And, and like I told you, as much as I love Eric Backage, and I do, I think that Monty Lee got a raw, got a raw deal because he had been to the tournament, what, four out of six times or five out of seven times, and he was shown the door. Yeah, he took him to the – he took him to a regional four straight years. Then they had COVID, okay. and then he missed the tournament his final two years. Uh, but I'm okay. with you. I would so, not have made that move. I wouldn't have made the move on Jack Leggett, for that matter, when now, they made the now, move under, on Jack Leggett. Understand, understand, I don't want this out. I do love Eric Backers, and I do love the job he's doing. Okay? But but if you're going to make that move in one sport, 
why does another coach get to hang out for 14 years and only go three times? Yeah, I can't answer that question, you know. I mean, you see my frustration? Yeah, yeah. I don't know that you, you apply see? the same approach and philosophy across the board when it comes to your coaches. Maybe, maybe you should as an AD. Uh, and, oh, and let me answer your last question. You said this is going to be Shane Beamer's last year at South Carolina. And I don't foresee that being the case. Likely so. Likely so. I mean, Likely. what makes you think so? Well, the, well I mean. Other than the you fact that you're a Clemson and fan and you'd love to see it. No, no. But uh, you went five and seven. You you have, have, have regressed. Um, and, and are you going to be happy regressing it? What if you go four and eight this year? Well, I mean, if they if they go four and eight after going five and seven, there'll be a lot of unhappy people. He'll definitely be on the hot seat in twenty twenty five. But there's no way this team goes four and eight. I think six and six should be the low level expectation. Maybe even okay. seven and five with this team okay. at South Carolina. Okay. But no way, no way they'll have a four and eight. I mean, there's they got four or five wins that are pretty automatic. And then they've got to build on it from there. All right, okay, Jamie, well, thank you. you. Go All ahead. Right. No, go ahead. What was you going to say? Has he he, he, dro- he, he okay. hung up. Yep. All right. Thank you for the call. 888 I see where the uh, the soccer match at Williams-Brice Stadium is sold out. Not surprising. But, yeah, it's sold out in one day, basically, 78,000 tickets. I think wow. it's what they they were they allotted and sold out. There are enough Premier League soccer fans, and, and keep in mind, I'm I'm guessing this is probably not just folks in Columbia and not just in the state of South Carolina. I mean, Atlanta is a huge soccer area, Phil. You know that from being over there. I'm I'm betting a lot of the people who bought tickets are outside the 803 area code and just want to come in and see a chance to watch Liverpool and Manchester United. So I was not surprised those tickets went maybe. A little shocked at how quickly they went, but I was not surprised it ultimately became a sellout. Well, I'd buy tickets if the four boys from Liverpool were playing in the game, <laughs> you know? Which would but, sell out faster, the original Beatles in Columbia ooh. or the soccer match in Columbia? Really? How much well, were the tickets? That was pretty quick. Yeah, how much were the tickets? I, were they I saw estimates between 150 100, 100 bucks. I mean, they were – about what you we would pay we would expect to pay for a football game hmm. right you know That's american football game yeah and by right, the way tri- to answer your question from the nit last yeah. year clemson reported 2700 at that game yeah yeah i don't hold that loss i mean you want to blame them for losing yeah but they just they got so screwed by the ncaa selection committee that I'm, their minds and their hearts weren't into it you know, but I will you say this, you, Phil. You, if you're a Clemson or you're a power team, you don't get into the NIT until you win the first two games, and then maybe you get a little bit excited. Right. Yeah. But I will say this. I like Jamie's passion and approach. I, I wish there were more Tiger fans that got ex- got upset and were interested in basketball the way he appears to be because his, his point about applying a similar, maybe not football, you take football out of the mix, but at least applying a similar bar to baseball and basketball, I think that's a, f- a fair comparison. Now, Clemson baseball obviously has tremendous tradition and a lot more so than Clemson basketball, but I don't see that Jamie's all that far off maybe wanting to see them treated fairly or the same Yeah, with regards yeah. to postseason play. All right. Oh, by the way, for the baseball series, just an FYI, 
that I ran across in the notes. Clemson will be the designated home team this weekend for the series neutral site game at Segra Park on Saturday. Tigers will have the third base dugout for that one. By the way, the weather looks pretty crappy. Uh, we're talking uh, yeah. about temperatures in the 50s, maybe in the 40s, uh, rain perhaps. Uh, tomorrow, they were saying up here, like wind gusts are 40 miles an hour up this way because we got Ooh. apparently a cold front now moving in over this warm front. My meteorological background tells me that creates bumpy weather. So could be a rough ride this weekend from a, a baseball standpoint. Let's go to, speaking of rough rides, let's go to Hank in Columbia for our next call. Hank, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you? Hey, I'm doing fine, Corn. Um, I just wanted to call you since you were making all these, uh, you were, you did that apology and we're making corrections from last night. I got nothing else to apologize for. <laughs> oh, you do. Corn, you let me get off the phone and then you go on to try to implied that the SEC was a down league in uh, women's college basketball this year, which was incorrect uh, to the hill. Hear him hear um, laugh? He's laughing as he talks. No, no, I'm not laughing. I'm just – this is just serious. It's correct. No, I, hear you, you, I hear you, you chuckling, but go you, ahead. You applied it, you applied it when the, the, second, the SEC is second only in rating right now to the ACC. And, and, the, and the latest bracketology that was put out – Again, yesterday, if you check, they have the SEC with eight teams going in with two teams in the next four out, and the ACC has nine. Well, but, you and know, then, maybe what I was trying to say was it, it's not – it doesn't appear to be at the top when you're talking about the number one team, <laughs> South Carolina. Nobody is pressing them. I mean, that's, closest that was game. the other thing I was going to – that was the other thing I was going to correct you on. So – out, for out-of-conference schedule, South Carolina had the second strongest out-of-conference schedule in the entire country. I didn't say anything country. about their out-of-conference schedule. Well, if you, match, said, if you said the SEC was wasn't strong, if you said the SEC isn't strong when the SEC is the second-rated conference and has the uh, has the second-most teams going into the tournament Chris, other than Chris, ACC. Did, did I say the SEC wasn't strong? I'm not sure if you said that. I actually said that. Oh, Hank, oh. You, you've got to be you, you've uh, got to be honest with when you look at the SEC. Maybe the projections for the tournament, but there are only two SEC teams ranked in the top 25 this week. The South well, Carolina and problems. LSU. This is this is not your typical. This is not your typical SEC women's yeah, but basketball one of the issues, Yeah, but one, one of the issues one of the issues with that is you have remember the SEC when they started playing, they started beating up on each other. Now, if you're going to use that to compare uh, for South Carolina, let's you know you you, all, you always corn always like to throw out some teams you throw out. Well, you know you got that Iowa coming. Iowa's going to finish third in the Big Ten, and the Big Ten's only going to get about five teams in. So I always played a ton of teams that are not in not in the level uh, of the SEC, whether you're looking at rankings or not. The Pac-12 has six teams going in, but all six are in the rankings. But some of the – I'm just talking with Corn. some of the teams he always tries to throw and pop up there. They're playing in conferences where they should be killing people. I mean, I'm not saying South Carolina can't lose, but I'm just saying South Carolina dominated everyone this year. Out of conference, in conference. I've said that. That's what I said. <laughs> that's, we gotta that's go. indisputable. We got to go. Yeah, we, we said yeah. they've dominated, and I think – and thank you very much. The point I was making last night – and I'll say it again here, Chris, is that they've been so dominant 
And you just pointed out there's only two ranked SEC mm -hmm. teams, right? Yeah, Carolina I mean, and LSU. Even when the Gamecocks, as I recall, when they won national championships, they weren't blowing out the rest of the league like they have this year, which to me is an indication that the league has slipped top to bottom some. Nobody should be 30 points better than everybody else in the league, right? Or 40, that's kind of as where they, they have are. been. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, let's face it. Kentucky's not anywhere close to as good as they have been in the past. Tennessee is average. Uh, they're not bad, but they're not Tennessee. LSU has started to dominate. You know, if you want to break it up like football, they've dominated that side. But Carolina is so much better, far and away. The, as we pointed out last night, they've only had one game in conference play this season that was decided by less than 10 points, and that was the LSU game on the road. If they yeah. play LSU in the tournament in Greenville, they'll win that game by double digits. Yeah, because that's going to be a de facto home game for mm -hmm. them. Yeah, All right, let's run exactly. to the break. Run to the break. I'll come back, have one recruiting story to talk about. We'll hit that up. Get ready for the national anthem here tonight. I'm not singing it, but we'll be prepared for it. Oh, darn. I'd like to sing it. Well, I think we should gotta, get that, make that happen. Got to talk to Josh <laughs> Harris. You know, Kerry would never let me sing the national anthem at Darlington. Here's maybe your chance. Maybe, maybe a new leader there will uh, will allow it. All right, we'll be back in a moment. Don't go away. Stay tuned. More sports talk is coming up on the Sports Talk Media Network. We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer, let's say I'm out in the woods or I'm on the water and I need to reach a DNR agent. How do I do that? Operation Game Thief, Phil. It's been around 30-plus years. You can call us at our 24-hour hotline any time of day, 1-800-922-5431. To report wildlife violations or to get help if you're in trouble in the woods or on the water, call us at Operation Game Thief, 1-800-922-5431. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. -T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. Every lottery ticket purchase keeps education in our state moving forward. In fact, the lottery has raised more than $200 million for state school buses to get our students to school safely every day. Then, the lottery helps those students go even further in their education by funding the Life, Hope, and Palmetto Fellow Scholarships. So remember, when you play the lottery, you're keeping South Carolina students on the road to success. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. George Bryant for Tsunami Bar Sports, our inventor. David Abernathy has always said Tsunami Bar technology allows us to take the training to the grass. Now I know through my sport of golf that natural agility can be converted to athletic ability. And why is this, Tsunami Robbie? Transferring the training to the grass. This may be the most undervalued characteristic of the Tsunami Flexible Bar technology. The Tsunami Bar action loads and unloads at the concentric and eccentric transition points. This is what we call reversal forces. And the Tsunami Bar is the only bar and training device that I know of 
that can train these reversal forces adequately at speed. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device, whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. All right, time for the recruiting report, which we might have to interrupt here momentarily for the national anthem. Uh, Recruiting report is brought to you by Seawells. Do not interrupt your trip to Seawells if you've got it plan to go to Seawells for the daily luncheon buffet. Make sure you follow through on that and get there between 11 to 2, Monday through Friday, and enjoy a great daily luncheon buffet for only $14. And for the best in the catering business, that's Seawells at 803-771-7385, online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. All right, Chris, going to toss it to you for a second. I'll come back and give you the recruiting report after the national anthem here. Darn, I thought you'd play the national anthem. That would have been kind of cool. Anyway, Seawells, their daily luncheon buffet was closed today. So if you went by, sorry, we tried to uh, warn you last night. But uh, they will be back at it tomorrow. Southern Fried Chicken on the docket along with meatloaf and baked pork chops coming up on a Wednesday for the uh, daily luncheon buffet. And, Josh, if you wouldn't mind, just turn Phil down, please, sir. Thank you hate to talk over the uh, national anthem don't don't feel comfortable doing that all right quick uh, update while phil stands for the national anthem at clemson meantime speaking of clemson their baseball game has gone final tigers with a 12-6 win over usc upstate in a game that was really really close for most of it and then the uh, tigers able to break out late and run away and hide they scored four runs in the bottom of the seventh inning and that was enough to put it away after upstate had gone back and forth uh, the tigers end up winning at 12-6 ethan darden gets the win he goes to 2-0 and on the season for clemson 12 Runs on 11 base hits, one error. Meantime, for USC Upstate, six runs on 10 hits and one error. And Will Taylor, another tremendous game. He was three for three today. Let's see what else we saw there. Worth mentioning from the uh, Tigers batting. They played a lot of guys, as you might imagine, especially late in the game. And so Clemson with the win, 12-6. They have resumed play in Columbia. They are in the top of the ninth. Now Gamecocks trying to nail down another win as they are up on Gardner-Webb by a score of 7-1. to one. This was a game that Gardner-Webb led two, excuse me, led one to nothing after four and a half innings. Gardner-Webb getting a solo home run in the second inning, but that was all the runs they would get up until now. And again, top of the ninth inning. Gamecocks seven runs on just five base hits today. No errors committed by USC. They've stranded nine. Meantime, Gardner-Webb, one run on five hits, one error. They have left six. And quickly, as Phil rejoins us down in Conway, they're in the bottom of the eighth. Coastal leads Campbell by a score of eight to two. And PC, Phil almost pulled off an upset today. They go to Georgia and fall to the Bulldogs in Athens, 4-3. to three. Georgia scores the game-winning run in the bottom of the eighth inning to get past the hose. Of the brave. Oh, did the band play or did they have someone singing? No, that was me. I just finished it. No, no, no I, got, I got that part. <laughs> they have someone sing the national anthem, though. They did. They had somebody you. do a really nice job. No, oh, awesome. They did a really, really nice job. Okay, uh, recruiting story tonight is about Micah Matthews, who four years ago 
as a 13-year-old committed to South Carolina to play baseball. He's 6'3", 205, Bridgewater, Virginia. He's a wide receiver in football. He always loved football, and last season he blew up as a receiver with 86 catches, 476 yards, and 16 touchdowns. As a sophomore, he caught 63 passes, 974 yards, and 10 touchdowns. So all of a sudden he decided he wanted to be a football player and baseball player. He wanted to do it at South Carolina, but the Gamecocks never did offer him for football. So he ended his baseball commitment to the Gamecocks last September. He's got offers now from Virginia Tech, North Carolina, NC State, Rutgers, Maryland, Virginia, Kentucky, East Carolina, Liberty, Kentucky, Maryland, and West Virginia. Now, Clemson has become involved, and receivers coach Tyler Grisham is not offered, but the two are talking. Matthew plans to visit Clemson March 9th for a junior day. He's actually been in touch with Clemson since his sophomore season after they saw his highlight tape. Now they're moving forward as far as getting more interested in him. And he said that he really loves the wide receiver product that Clemson put out over the years. And he's kind of developing a good relationship with Grisham at this point. He made a visit to Virginia on January 27th, and he has set official visits to Virginia Tech June 7th at North Carolina June 14th. And he's working on visits with Kentucky and Maryland. He's also still very good in baseball. He's rated 58th nationally by perfect game in 18 perfect game tournaments last year. He batted 429 with two homers, 17 RBIs, and 10 stolen bases. There you go. Keep an eye on Micah Matthews as it pertains to Clemson moving forward. Wide receiver recruiting for the Tigers. Interesting. All right, going to hit the break. Turn it back over to Chris. I'll check in with you guys in the half. Look forward to it, Phil. Second hour, Sports Talk up next. Stay tuned. More Sports Talk is coming up on the Sports Talk Media Network. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Hour number two here on Sports Talk on a busy Tuesday night on the Sports Talk Media Network all across the state of South Carolina. Chris Bergen out here in Sardis in the PD. Joshua Cohen evidently uh, homespun, as Big Voice Guy said, or something like that, uh, back in our network controls in Columbia. And joining us now is Phil Kornblut is taking in the action at Little John Coliseum as the Tigers and Pitt Panthers are playing. Pittsburgh off to a good start, 8-3 to three already. Panthers out in front, 3-5 of five from the field for the uh, Panthers. So when the cat's away, the mice get to play. So we welcome in Matt Smith from down in Georgetown. Smitty, how you doing tonight, brother? Well, I'm doing well. I don't know if you've mentioned, but uh, Clemson just knocked off USC Upstate, which is a which is a really good midweek win uh, because Upstate is, is a terrific team out of the Big South, and Clemson wins 12-6, three homers from Will Taylor. Also, I I I just I thought I heard this. I may have dreamt it. Uh, 
did, did I hear corn? Number one, did I hear corn lock horns with Hank when it comes to women's basketball? <laughs> he tried. Uh, you know, you, you mess with the bull, you get the horns when you talk uh, women's basketball and try and, and argue with Hank. Uh, but, yeah, Phil tried and, and lost. And did Phil, in his more than 40-year career now, just try to pass off that last night was the only time he's eaten on air? That, that's it. <laughs> Boy, you just don't last miss a night. beat. Just, just, just last, last night. night. Yeah, and I couldn't quite figure out why he was arguing because I'm sitting here, I'm listening to him eat dinner, and I almost made the comment, Phil, did you bring enough for the class? You remember when you were in elementary school, if, if you were caught eating, the teacher would always ask you, did you bring enough chewing gum or food or whatever the case may be for the rest of the class? If not, you had to put it away. And Phil clearly didn't bring enough for Josh and I last night, so no, he just was selfishly eating on the air, and it was fairly obvious to everybody, including our listeners, it, it appears. Well... Snickers, reach out for a you're not you when you're hungry ad. <laughs> Speaking of the uh, baseball final, Smitty hit on the uh, first. Tigers beat USC Upstate 12-6. Gamecocks have just finished off Gardner-Webb 7-1, to so both teams tuning up for this weekend. We'll get into that in uh, just a couple of seconds, Smitty, but you talked about Will Taylor's performance today. I'm curious, as a former baseball player, how difficult the feat it was for him to try and play both football and baseball. And obviously, it appears he's probably made the right decision, focusing solely on baseball, where that's probably going to be his, his best option for a pro career. But aside from that, I mean, just what kind of challenge trying to hit a baseball in the spring part-time and also trying to catch a football in the fall part-time. I mean, how difficult was what he was trying to do? It How difficult is that? Well, it could be difficult. Now, it's it's obviously been done, but, you know, everyone likes to, to look at those that have done it, but don't, don't, if you dig into it and get really into the details. I mean, look, Bo Jackson is one of the most amazing athletes we've ever seen. Uh, mm -hmm. Jaw-dropping athleticism. For him to do what he did, right? But think about this. Bo Jackson played baseball full-time, didn't bat 270 for his career. And then he was able to go out on the football field and dazzle just through athleticism. But everybody takes a hit. Everybody. Something is always going to be missing. And listen, even if it's not, even if, if you could do it, even if you can do it, and some, some people can do it, especially at the collegiate level, even if you can do it, Will Taylor's got to miss practice time with one of those clubs while the, the head coach is watching and, and starting to pencil in in his mind what's going to happen, who's going to take reps, who's going to move up the depth chart. That's really hard, right? Because other players now are showcasing themselves in a way that you can't. You can't be in two places at once. So even if, and as difficult as it is to perform at a high level, especially somewhere like Clemson, if it, even if you're able to do it, the coach is, is going to miss some time with you. Your teammates are going to miss some time with you. Mm -hmm. So it's hard. If you're a wide receiver, you're going to miss some of that time with the quarterback that other guys are running around just in, you know, just in T-shirts and shorts catching passes, but creating that chemistry that a quarterback has to have with his receivers and the trust that you have to have. And on the baseball field, it's the same thing. The coach is watching, and there's always musical chairs when it comes to playing the outfield like Will Taylor is, and you're thinking, oh, what are we going to do against – you know, right-handed pitching. What are we going to do in late-game situations? We want to shift somebody and bring somebody in for defensive substitution. So 
you're always going to have to give a little bit. But to your point about how hard it is, hitting a baseball is a full-time job. Forget everything else. Hitting a baseball is a full-time job if you want to do it at an elite level. And so that's why so often players choose to go that route because you've got more opportunities in the minor leagues. And then, frankly, that's the time that it takes. You have to dedicate yourself. You can't just be a part-time baseball player. I don't have Deion Sanders uh, batting average off the top of my head. He's Mm -hmm. one of the most remarkable athletes anybody's ever set eyes on. He didn't really hit at the big league level. He, He amazed us. He amazed us running, watching him run home to third. He amazed us tracking down balls in the outfield, things when it's just his instincts and athleticism took over. But I don't think Deion Sanders was even a 250 hitter at the big league level. But he found a way to get on base, and that's what made him so dangerous because he hit 263. I just pulled it up. His oh, career well, batting go. average okay, was well, 263. Not not, maybe it was he didn't hit with a lot of power, which was kind of strange because right. he's a strong guy. Strong yeah. guy. 39 home runs in his career. So, yeah, you're right. So it's it's not like he was popping it out of the uh, launching pad all that often, but still, just you you hit on maybe the two two of I won't I won't pigeonhole them in, but two of the greatest athletes that we've ever seen, and how difficult it was for them to be able to hit a baseball, and I think it illustrates the point that, that Will Taylor probably had someone say, look, you're going to be a lot better at baseball than you are at football. You're a fine football player, but you have a chance to be a really good baseball player, but you can't do it part time. And I think he's probably clearly made the right decision, especially today. Now, if he can translate that for the rest of his career, Tigers are going to have some fun this season for sure. 888-898-2525. If you'd like to join us here this evening, Josh Harris from Darlington Raceway, president of the track Too Tough to Tame, set to join us right after 7.30 this evening. We'll get into what's happening in the world of NASCAR, including the terrific finish on Sunday in Atlanta, the third closest finish in NASCAR history, and Daniel Suarez getting to victory lane at Atlanta, so we'll get his thoughts on that, plus uh, preparations continuing for the uh, Goodyear 400 over Mother's Day weekend. We'll touch base with Josh coming up after 7.30. You're certainly welcome to uh, be a part of the program as well at 888-898-2525. Phil will dial us up as they get to halftime between Clemson and Pittsburgh. Right now the uh, Panthers with a 10-6 lead about six minutes in to the opening half. Phil drop in right around halftime to give us an update. Our Twitter poll question of the day, and it's appropriate that we get Smitty on because he is our baseball guy. And, of course, it's the one you would expect if you followed Sports Talk any length of time. Upon our Twitter page at Sports Talk SC, the annual, as Phil likes to call it, the base brawl series between the uh, Tigers and Gamecocks set to be played this weekend. What's your prediction on the outcome? And it's pretty simple. You've got Gamecocks sweeping, Gamecocks winning two out of three, the Tigers sweeping, or the Tigers winning two out of three. Those are your only options. And right now, 54% of 321 votes thus far picked the Gamecocks to take two out of three. Next closest is the Tigers winning two out of three, roughly 23%. 20% saying the Gamecocks will pull off a sweep, whereas 3% say that the Tigers will pull off a sweep. Phil and I will give our predictions as the week moves along. But, Smitty, first off, just size up from what you've seen so far. I know this is the one unfortunate thing, I think, about where the game is played. I love the fact that they stopped doing the midweek games and go to a weekend series because teams were reluctant 
you know, Ray Tanner and Jack Leggett were not going to run out their best pitchers, even though it was an important game. They had bigger fish to fry over the weekend in conference play in the SEC and ACC, so they were not going to burn their top-line pitching for a midweek game against their in-state rivals. It robbed us fans, and I think the players, in some regard, of really good baseball. So the decision to go to a weekend series prior to the start of conference play was genius, in my mind, on both teams. But it's so early in the season. I mean, we're just into the third weekend of college baseball. Have you seen enough? Do you feel that you can give and sort of take this for what it's worth, an intelligent opinion on what these two teams are going into the weekend? Well, probably not yet because I think I think each manager would tell you they're still finding themselves. I, I mm-hmm. think, and and we've got look. You know, it's early in the season. I think going into today, Will Taylor was hitting 158, and uh, you know, so I think Jack Crichton might have been hitting 400. Uh, you know, that's not not neither of those numbers will last. Um, right. So I don't think necessarily the Tigers know everything about themselves, and South Carolina doesn't know everything about themselves, but. I think we are, based on what we know from last season and then rolling it into this year with some of the names that we know, I do think, and I think it, it, here's here's what I would say about those two teams. I'm going to say South Carolina two out of three for this reason. I think the one weakness we know about right now between these two clubs is Clemson's pitching depth. Every now and then, and we saw it in, in a loss to Kennesaw State, every now and then, They've got to put some guys out there that I don't think Eric Backage truly trusts, and he's searching for the arms that he's going to trust later in the season when they're playing Florida State or Louisville. I think that right now he still has question marks. Now, he knows some of the guys. He knows some of the arms he's going to put out there. Um, I, I think he's, you know, there's, there's no doubt that he's confident in uh, Tristan Smith. I think right now you have to be confident in Aiden Knack, uh, who's a freshman who just uh, yeah. six complete, uh, you know, scoreless innings for Clemson just the other night uh, in, a, in a Sunday start. I just I don't know about the the bullpen. I don't know if Eric Bakich fully knows what he wants to do with that bullpen just yet. Um, and I think that's the biggest question mark between the two clubs. I think both of them can flat out swing it. Uh, if you like offensive baseball, get a ticket. And catch this because you are going to see, uh, you know, Ethan Petrie and, uh, and and you're going to see Blake Wright and, and Will Taylor. And if you like guys, you like leadoff hitters, check out Cam Canarella for Clemson. Yeah. Um, Talmadge LaCroix. There's just a, a lot of names for both clubs that can flat out swing it. And, and that's going to be fun to watch. But I just think the only weakness I see between the two clubs that we know about right now is – I don't think Eric Backage can be 100% confident in everybody he rolls out there. And I think that that's why I'd take South Carolina two out of three. Could be wrong. Clemson may – Clemson, you know, that he could he could pick the right – hit the right notes with that bullpen and win – and Clemson could win two out of three. I don't think anybody's getting swept. These, t- these clubs are too good. You know, the, the interesting sort of X factor to me from a pitching standpoint, I think you're right, is what is the plan? Phil and I were touching on this earlier today. We were chatting uh, with regards to Austin Gordon for the uh, Tigers. He uh, didn't get in the you know, starting rotation last weekend. He actually threw today and, and pitched pretty well, went three innings, gave up two runs on five, hit, struck out five. You know, uh, did, uh, you get enough from him that uh, today where I don't think he's 
used up for the week, is he? I mean, they could certainly use him uh, maybe in the bullpen spot start, maybe on Sunday. I don't, I don't know what the plans are going to be moving into the weekend, but you would think just three innings would not limit his ability to go out and throw at some point in time against the Gamecocks, would it? Nope, absolutely not. I think Gordon's going to bounce back. I think that's, uh, that was calculated. I, I think, you know, sometimes when a manager, and we don't know this, we don't, we're not privy to this, these conversations he's having, you know, with his staff in the dugout and, and the day of games, he might say, hey, I think we go, you know, no more than two or three with Austin today because mm-hmm. that's what I want to see from him. And then he's, he just is, you know, getting lubed up for the weekend. We, you know, we don't know. We're not privy to those conversations. And then there's guys that we don't know about who came to the manager with uh, who didn't feel great in their last start or last outing, and they're on the shelf for the weekend. He wants to rest them, and we don't know about that. Um, so I think, to your point, I think Austin Gordon, I think all of this was calculated through Eric Bakich. I think he's only thrown five innings so far this season. Right. Yep. I, I think I think he's absolutely going to be uh, one of the cards that he wants to play this weekend, whether it's at Founders, Segra, or, or on Sunday at Doug Kingsmore. Well, and the Clemson Insider had a story back during the uh, earlier in the season about Austin Gordon when he wasn't in the starting rotation, and the coaches actually made the point that during a scrimmage they had back in the fall against Coastal Carolina that he looked tired, and it was a situation where he pitched, you know, all of last spring with the uh, with the Tigers, and then went into summer ball, and it came right into the fall. And I just wonder, and you're much more plugged in, and certainly you've gone through this. I mean, how many players actually deal with this considering, especially pitchers who work through the, with their team throughout the spring season on into the early summer, and then they play summer ball. And then as soon as they get done with summer, the fall season basically begins for their own team once again. I mean, is Austin Gordon, he can't be alone in that regard, just getting burned out because of how much they, they put in terms of stress on their arms. Absolutely. Everybody's arms are – everyone's arms are tired. What we don't know – is two things. We don't know which ones go and are honest with uh, about it with the manager because there's history is full of guys who just threw right through arm pain, just powered mm-hmm. right through it until they injured themselves. And we don't know. We because he may not he may not be telling his girlfriend. He may not be telling his mother. We don't know. And then there's another group of guys that will talk to the manager about it, but they're absolutely there's no way that you go out there play a college season high leverage situations, all that stress on your arm, summer league, no matter what you do. I don't care how many rubber balls you squeeze. I don't know how many buckets of rocks you (laughs) stick your hand in like Roger Clemens. You're going to have a tired arm, and you just do your best to manage it. And you said he looked tired. His body could have been tired. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'm just telling you. Everybody's got like at least a sore arm out there, either during the season or right before the season begins, and you just manage it. And the best, and the guys that manage it the best are the ones that are honest about it and don't get overutilized because the ones that that keep it in themselves are the ones that are called upon. I'll, I'll tell you, man, one of the things I've learned about covering sports through the years so much is how often somebody that the fans are disappointed in, they go out and they see a bad performance. How often that guy turns up two weeks later to be injured. You know, they were hurt. They were hurt. Mm-hmm. They played through it. And then eventually they, they admit it and they're on the shelf, whether it's a sprained ankle or a tired arm, whatever the case. So you ask, you know, what, how many guys are going through this? Everybody. It's just, it's just dependent on the level and whether or not they're honest about it with their coach and the trainer. 
All right, 888-898-2525. And, again, you can vote in our poll question up on our website at sportstalksc.com and also on Twitter at sportstalksc. What's your prediction for this weekend, USC and Clemson? Always a lot of fun Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We'll slide out for a a timeout. We'll come back, get you updated on the uh, basketball, recap the uh, baseball final scores, and get ready to chat with Josh Harris. Do that next, plus take your phone calls here on Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. We're back in a moment. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. Hi, this is Lisa Hosteller-Brown. Do you know the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust? The difference could easily save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in long-term care costs. Visit LawyerLisa.com to schedule a consultation today. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Daddy, you need a trust. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Are you an enthusiastic sports fan? Want to have fun and get in on the action? Heck yes, that'd be awesome. Have great attention to detail? Want to stay active? Definitely. Want to give back to the student-athletes in your community? Obviously, yes. Then you'd make an excellent high school sports official. We need more officials in South Carolina. Because with no high school officials, there are no high school sports. Sign up today at highschoolofficials.com. Tuesday night here on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Chris, Josh, and Smitty with you up until 8 o'clock tonight. You're welcome to be a part of the program at 888-898-2525. Again, 888-898-2525. Final scores, baseball pretty much in the books for today. Mentioned Clemson with a 12-6 win over USC Upstate. Meantime, South Carolina beats Gardner-Webb. Had to come from behind to do so, but the uh, Gamecocks win 7-1. to one. Also, the uh, Shauna clears another win. Coastal knocks off Campbell by a score of 9-2. And PC almost got the Georgia Bulldogs, who have been playing some good baseball, out of the get as the uh, Georgia Bulldogs able to hold on at home and win 4-2-3. Basketball action going on right now. We'll get an update from Little John at the uh, Conclusion of the opening half, Pittsburgh already with a 10-point lead. Tigers struggling from the floor. Pittsburgh up 23-13. to Clemson just 5 of 15 from the field. Meantime, Pittsburgh 8 of 19 now from the floor after missing a layup. Tigers have gone the last two and a half minutes without scoring. Clemson being led in scoring, and albeit not by much because they're only uh, 15 points on the board. Chase Hunter with four. 
And that's your leader, Joe Girard, with another three against Pittsburgh. He hit six in the first meeting. He's got three points. Uh, Leggett and Carrington with five apiece, and Lowe's got seven to pace the way for the uh, Pitt Panthers. And, Smitty, this is a big ball game for both of these teams, I think, for Clemson to sort of solidify where they stand with regards to NCAA projections. And for Pittsburgh, in a year in which the ACC is not getting a whole lot of love, Pittsburgh's got to win some games and go on the road and get a quality quad, excuse me, quality quad one win tonight would be huge, I think, for Jeff Capel's club. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I, I'd like to know, I'd, I'd really like to dig into, I know what the, what the net rankings tell me. I know what so many of the metrics say about how down the ACC is. But just in my life, it's hard for me to shape the idea that there's only going to be four ACC teams yeah. in the NCAA tournament. I, I, I just – there's something inside me that's saying that that's wrong. I've seen Virginia play. They look like an NCAA club. Obviously, Duke and North Carolina do. Clemson, to me, is a no-doubter. I, I know that that there have been some, some rumblings every time they take a loss. It seems that they're on the wrong side of the bubble. But I think they're firmly in at this point mm-hmm. based on what they've done recently, the run they've been on. And eyeball test, they look like a tournament team. But I don't know. I don't, I don't think I watch enough Big 12 to know the difference between what their fringe team, what their eighth-place team looks like, and the ACC's sixth-place team. I'm not certain that I, I can draw that line. But I just, knowing what I know and seeing what I've seen in my lifetime, it's hard for me to believe there's only going to be three or four it's going out to the ACC. I just have to feel like it's a better conference than that. And I don't know who's going to step up and make a convincing argument. I don't think it is Pitt. I have seen Pitt play. I'm not impressed. Yeah. Um, but the four teams I mentioned are no doubters. And then I'd really have to go back and maybe watch some film and go back and look at some numbers to see another team that I would I would try to put forth if I were on that committee. But those four, to me, are absolute slam dunks. They They, they look the part. They've got the metrics. They have everything you need. And I just – I don't think Clemson was even – I never thought Clemson was in danger of not making this tournament. I've seen them play. I watched them play, obviously, against Duke and North Carolina right there in person. And they always look like a tournament team to me. And to answer your question, I just looked at the Big 12 standings. The number eight, nine-place team in the Big 12 would be a squad like BYU. You think okay. they're better than, say, Clemson or Pitts or NC State? I mean, that's sort of the, the midline right there. Wake Forest is another intriguing team as well. I mean, Wake's sitting there at 18-9 and nine overall, 10-6. and six, And I think after the win against Duke, they're probably on the right side of the bubble right now. But I think that's a, a team that's probably a, uh, NCAA tournament worthy as well. I agree with you. There was a time where if you finish above 500 in the ACC, forget about it. You know, you're mm-hmm. a four, five, six seed team. But uh, Wake Forest, apparently the metrics don't like them. And the same was true with Clemson last year. The metrics didn't like them and they got left out. All right, we'll slide out bottom of the hour break for you. When we come back on the other side, we will talk some NASCAR racing. It's a Tuesday. That means we've got to head over to Darlington, and we'll check in with Josh Harris, president of Darlington Raceway. He'll join us coming up after the bottom of the hour break. Plus, Phil will give us an update on the first half up at Little John. It's been a defensive struggle. Pittsburgh leads Clemson by a score of 25-18. to We'll also have, before we wrap things up here tonight, comments from Brady Hunt. Transfer tight end into the Gamecocks football program. Phil had a chance to catch up with him 
week or so ago. We'll let you hear from him as well. We roll on on Sports Talk here on a Tuesday in the Palmetto State. Been driven through Darlington County in a couple of weeks. That'll be changing rapidly as we approach Mother's Day weekend and the Goodyear 400 out at the track. Too tough to tame. Catch up with Josh Harris, the uh, brand new president of Darlington Raceway, here in just a second. Incredible race in Atlanta over the weekend that we'll touch on momentarily. Quick update. College basketball, they head down the stretch in the opening half, about 4-10 remaining in the first half at Little John Coliseum. Pittsburgh with a 25-18 advantage on the uh, Tigers, who are just having a hard time throwing it in the ocean here in the first half. Just 7 of 21 from the floor. Clemson has gone a a span of the uh, last uh, several trips down the floor. They are 2 of their last 10 from the field. Fortunately for them, they're playing defense as well because Pitt is now one of its last nine. This is not an offensive masterpiece thus far, but the uh, Panthers do have a 7-point lead. We'll check in with Korn. Here as they reach halftime because Corn is on site at Little John. He'll visit with us shortly. But time now to visit, as we do every Tuesday here on Sports Talk, with the president of Darlington Raceway, Josh Harris, who dials us up this evening. Josh, how are you? How was your weekend? Well, I'm doing great, guys. And uh, it was it was a really good weekend. Uh, able to catch some racing up at Atlanta. And, man, what a, what a finish we had. What a race we had. And certainly what a finish up there at Atlanta this weekend. Fortunately, it was not better than the finish at Darlington, but it was awfully, awfully close. I mean, three one-thousandth of a second, I think, was the difference from Daniel Suarez taking the checkered flag over Ryan Blaney and and Kyle Busch. When you watched the last couple of laps, it's hard to envision that you would see something like this happen, but what was your reaction as they crossed the finish line? Could you tell who won? Well, it was certainly a photo finish, and uh, I was here watching it with my boys, and we had been watching it off and on throughout the afternoon. It was a great day here around the house. And, you know, those last few laps as they kept going, Blaney looked to be in position to, to secure that win. And then coming off of turn two, he slipped, looked like he slipped a little bit, gave a little opening for Kyle Busch to get in there. And then coming out of turn four, they were three wide. And it was so cool to see them essentially drag race um, all the way out of turn four down to the start finish line. And, when it first happened, I thought, um, you know, that Blaney had got it. But on, on second look, you know, Daniel, Daniel just got him by a few inches. And you mentioned that margin of victory. We were, uh, we were all talking around the office Monday morning about uh, when it first flashed up on the screen, it looked like it was 0 0 And I thought, man, Darlington's <laughs> lost the closest finish. But uh, thankfully we held on there for that, that one thousandth of a second. <laughs> Josh Harris joining us now, the uh, president of Darlington Raceway, and proud to still have the uh, greatest finish in NASCAR history. But has there been a track in your mind, Josh, over the years on the circuit that has had a better facelift than Atlanta? Because once it sort of reconfigured itself, it transformed a you know pretty much typical sort of mile-and-a-half or so tr- racetrack into now one of the super speedways on the circuit. I think the folks in Atlanta probably deserve a lot of credit, don't you think, for how they've changed that racetrack? Well, I think it took some bold, you know, initiative on the part of Speedway Motorsports to make that kind of change. You know, Mm -hmm. the racing that you see there now has typically been limited to Daytona and Talladega over the years. And, you know, they had a had a bold vision stuck to it. I think the initial reaction was a little, you know, questioned 
but the racing that they put on there the last few years, it's, it's kind of hard to, uh, to, to turn your nose up at. It's been exciting. It's been thrilling. I think the fact that it's a mile and a half instead of a two and a half uh, makes it a little different. And they've got that little dog leg in the front. So it's got some unique characteristics, but it certainly has put on some good racing. And I know they're, uh, they're probably seeing the phone lines light up uh, over their, their next race there to kick off the playoffs later in the season. Phil wanted me to ask you this because we were speculating what the difference is between, say, a Daytona and a Talladega versus what we saw this past weekend in Atlanta because it seems like they can hold it a little bit better, as you pointed out, three-wide racing to the finish line. You see that happen at Daytona, and normally we're going to have a huge wreck directly behind the leaders as we did at Daytona this past uh, two weekends ago. Is there a difference in terms of how the uh, racing is handled at Atlanta versus those other two tracks that allows maybe the drivers to have a little bit more control? You know, it's a great question. I, I don't know. I've listened to a couple of things um, that have been going on, whether it's podcasts. You know, Denny Hamlin has a podcast and always has some interesting insight to the racing that you see on the track. And um, I don't know exactly what it is other than, you know, just that difference in the shortness of the, the length um, makes a difference. I think a, a unique difference between Daytona and Talladega that a lot of people sometimes don't realize is how much wider – Talladega is than Daytona. It's almost a full lane wider, um, which really mm-hmm. gives you the chance to see a lot of that four wide you see there, which I was honestly shocked to see some four wide at uh, Atlanta over the weekend. And, uh, you know, it didn't last very long. And then the second time they tried, unfortunately, Chase Briscoe, um, you know, spun out. So I think, I think just the combination of the difference in the banking on the front stretch and probably just the, the, difference in the length of the tracks probably gives them a little bit of a different feel yeah josh harris darlington raceway joining us here on sports talk josh uh, you know nascar i think went through something last season with some names hopping to the fore and taking some checkered flags that fans had to get to know and get behind a little bit now we're seeing william byron really emerge i'm curious what's your feeling about byron and in terms of popularity, because there's some great drivers throughout NASCAR's history that aren't always the most popular guy. And then sometimes you get guys like Dale Earnhardt Jr. or Bill Elliott. It doesn't matter. They can finish 19th, and everybody stands up and cheers for them. Which kind of guy? How, where do you think William Byron's going to fall, and what do you think his career trajectory is going to be? Well, his his talent that he's displayed thus far is, is hard to argue against, you know. His path to get to where he is today is probably one of the most unconventional, you know, starting off primarily doing iRacing before he actually got in a, in a stock car, a race car. But I mean, the proof is in the pudding, as I say, he's won six times last year. I think he's up to 11 or 12 overall victories. He's shown he can win at multiple types of tracks. So I think, you know, Byron's trajectory is, He's at the very beginning of his career. He's proven he can win. Um, he's a good, he's an overall good guy. He's not flashy. He's not you know out there um, doing anything to make a name for himself, positive or negative in any way. But I think he's going to let the the work on the track speak for itself. And I think he'll be one of those guys that just slowly builds a bigger and bigger fan base uh, because of the success he sees on the track. Josh as a track promoter. Is that finish that we saw in Atlanta sort of a track promoter's dream to have a you know a photo finish like that? 
Would you rather have that than a wreck fest? Would you rather have that than, say, you know, 20 passes for the lead throughout the race? What, in your mind, do fans want to see in terms of if, if they come away with, from your race and say, that was a great race at Darlington, does it have to have the super finish? Or does it have to have great racing throughout the pack? What, what do you think most fans of NASCAR are hoping to see? Well, I think, you know, if you ask me what I want, I want it all. You know, I want great mm-hmm. racing all throughout the race, and then I want a photo finish at the end. <laughs> uh, I I think just it's natural for our culture today, though. It's There's a lot of, I think you can call it recency bias, and, you know, sometimes a, a great finish can help make up for what may be perceived as a, you know, a, a not-so-great race overall. But, you know, I think if you look at Sunday's race, it, it had a great racing throughout and a great finish, and that's, that's what you want. I think we've we've seen that at a lot of our tracks, and especially this new next-gen car has really put on some good racing across the board. Um, I'm excited to see them now kind of get into the meat of the schedule with some mile-and-a-half tracks and then some short tracks coming up and, and really see. I think that's where you're, where you're going to start to see maybe the cream kind of rise to the top a little bit. Things start to separate themselves out, and we'll see uh, who's who's ready to take control of the season. Second win for Daniel uh, Suarez in his career. It's also the first win for Trackhouse Racing at Atlanta Motor Speedway, and their seventh overall in NASCAR. Josh, what is your impression of that team in particular? We could sit here all night, I think, and talk about Joe Gibbs Racing and, and Hendrick Motorsports, but some of the underfunded teams, if you will, what is your impression on the job that Trackhouse Racing has been doing? Well, they, they brought come into the sport and brought a, a new energy, whether it's their ownership group between Justin Marks and Pitbull and then their drivers, you know, Ross Chastain, um, Daniel, both different, but similar in a lot of ways, just, just true racers. They've got Shane uh, Van Gisbergen, who's joined them from the Australian supercar. That's going to run primarily Xfinity series last year, but came onto the scene and won the Chicago street race last mm-hmm. year. So I, I think, you know, even when you walk around the garage, you know, and, and this is not maybe as widely known, but they've, they've started kind of pushing the envelope with the vibe around their team haulers in the garage, just kind of upbeat music, LED boards. So I, I think they're bringing a new kind of energy level, a new excitement. And then, you know, it's not just off the track. They're backing it up on the track, you know, winning races, um, finishing up high in the points, having exciting moments. You know, Ross has hauled the wall at Martinsville at the end of the 2022 season. Now Daniel's victory, I think those were the two most viral moments in NASCAR over the last two years, and, you know, Trackhouse kind of owns both of them. It's good stuff. They have, uh, as you pointed out, I think you classified it well, brought a lot of energy to the sport and probably in doing so, bringing some younger viewers to the sport, which is certainly something I think NASCAR is hoping to be able to do. And, Josh, as they leave back-to-back races at a super speedway unique for uh, NASCAR in particular with Daytona and then Atlanta, but now heading out west and going to Las Vegas. What do you anticipate us seeing this weekend? Well, I think it's, you know, we're going we're gonna to look back and see, you know, the changes that Toyota and Ford made in the offseason with their, with their body styles. I think maybe these are the tracks coming up, these mile and a half. Maybe, maybe do we see that impact a little bit more? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Joey Logano has been a guy who's, who's run well at Vegas over the years, so I'm curious to see. You know, they've had good speed the first two races of the year, so I'm curious to see if that continues. Um, I think it's going to set the table for, for what we may see down the road and even to come at Darlington. So um, exciting time to go out to Vegas. 
you know, continue the season out west for a couple of races and then, you know, start to work their way back to, towards the East Coast. All right, we will let you get out of here on this. I want you to brag on your own track. You guys have a really cool event set for this weekend, so tell us more about the uh, track laps for charity over at the uh, Track Too Tough to Team. Yeah, if you've ever wanted an opportunity to come out and drive your own car on the track, uh, come see us on Saturday from 11 to 2. It's $25. The $25 goes to a great cause. So we have a charitable arm here at the track called Darlington Shares, and we're partnering mm -hmm. with Child and Family Resources out of Hartsville. So they're our, our charitable beneficiary of track laps this week. Come out, take a couple of t trips around, $25. We'll give you three to four laps each trip. And uh, an another added element this, this Saturday is we're going to have some of our historic stock cars from the stock car classics groups. They're going to run some laps but also have some cars on display. So come out, get some photos, spend a little bit of your day with us uh, at the track Too Tough to Tame. Josh, as always, we appreciate the time. Always good stuff from you guys. Best of luck with the uh, charitable event this weekend, and we'll catch back up with you next Tuesday to recap Las Vegas. All right. Sounds good, guys. I look forward to catching up next week. Yes, sir. Thank you. It's Josh Harris, president of Darlington Raceway, and I'm glad the uh, charitable laps, Smitty, are this weekend, and uh, Phil was not on the program when we chatted with Josh because he's always trying to convince Josh and Kerry and everybody else that he actually drives the sports talk Pinto and wants to put it on the track over there. And I think Josh hasn't gotten our sense of humor quite yet, so he doesn't understand that Phil would actually be joking about that. Oh, no, he gets it. He just rejects <laughs> it. So have you ever done that, by the way? Have you ever driven oh, on a star track? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh no! Well, see, you live nearby. You, you know, I, I guess I lived nearby when I was was very young. But uh, you know, I, you live right there in the shadow of Darlington Raceway, so that's something that that could be presented to you. I, I never even dreamt of that. I'm not a big name like Phil Cornblue. I <laughs> can't imagine I would be out there for any reason. I've actually done that before several times. As a matter of fact, in a former life at the uh, radio station I worked for here in Florence, we had stationed vehicles, as all radio stations do, and they're basically vans and panel vans and the like. And I remember trying to drive one of those at Darlington, and that's not the easiest thing to do because of the banking. I can't begin to imagine how difficult that would be if Daytona allows folks to uh, try that with the high banks that they have at Daytona International Speedway. It would be considerably more difficult than it was at Darlington. What'd you get that van up to? You know, they tell I'm I'm not sure. I think we had to at least run about eighty to try and stay on the track. Right. I think that's right. I believe that I, I mean, don't know yeah, that you the have to stay vans would pace. go that fast. Yeah, you have to stay up <laughs> with the pace, so But yeah, I'm not sure the uh, the vans would go that fast though. <laughs> so yeah, that that was fun stuff. All right, they have reached halftime, and again, our thanks to uh, Josh Harris. They've reached halftime up at Clemson. The uh, Tigers trailing Pittsburgh, and not really a must-win game, but it would be a nice win game for the Tigers, not one you want to drop to Pittsburgh, especially at home. Big win if the uh, Panthers are able to pull it off, and they've got a 31-27 lead. And uh, rejoining us now is Phil Kornblut, who has witnessed the first half of not a whole lot of offense and pretty good defense. So, Corn, uh, abysmal offensive performance by the two teams that appears in the first half yeah except for pittsburgh hitting the, some shots from the outside early they hit five of their first six but you know again defense both these teams can play defense and looks like this thing might be in the in the 60s unless they they pick it up here in the second half 31 27 
as you mentioned, the latest bracketology by Joe Lenardi tonight has Clemson right now as a five seed uh, playing in Pittsburgh in the regional there. And let me see here. They have the Tigers playing Grand Canyon in that first-round game in Pittsburgh. Hmm. And he's got South Carolina as a six seed playing either Gonzaga or Providence in Pittsburgh. Let me correct myself. They got Clemson and Spokane playing Grand Canyon as a number five. Gamecocks in Pittsburgh as a number six. Obviously, Lenardi wants to see the rematch of that 2018 national semifinal between yes. the 26, 2017, 2017, yeah. 2017 replay of that semifinal between the Gamecocks and Gonzaga. Uh, he's got the College of Charleston, a 14, playing Creighton in Pittsburgh. But back to this game, yeah, you're right. It was not a pretty first half, especially for Clemson. Seven turnovers for the Tigers, especially. I mean, right off the bat, they turned it over on their first two possessions. Fell behind uh, seven to nothing, five to nothing, seven to nothing. They have not led in the game to this point. They did score the last four points of the half to get it down to four, 31-27. Tigers are shooting 39%. Pittsburgh is shooting 38%. Pittsburgh 5 of 10 from three. The Tigers are 3 of 7. Clemson 6 of 8 from the line. I mentioned the seven turnovers and five points off those turnovers for Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh getting some points off the bench, outscoring Clemson 9 to 2 there. Individually, it's Gerard with eight for Clemson, and Hunter with eight for the Tigers. And uh, as far as P.J. Hall goes, he's got five points and seven rebounds, one assist, and only one foul in 15 minutes. High man for Pittsburgh is Leggett. He's got nine points on four of five shooting. Lowe has uh, seven points, and there you go. Those are some of the highlights from this first half, 31-27. Still anybody's ball game. Moments of that both teams have played well, especially early on for Pittsburgh. They flashed well early. Uh, Clemson put a little something together here in the last minutes of the first half to get back to within four points to go from down eight to down four. A couple of bu- uh, buckets there at the end to get them to within four points. So Tigers are down 31-27 as we're at the half. And, yeah, critical second half here. You don't. I agree with with you. I mean, a a loss is not a killer. Um, Knock them down a couple of seeds. But you know what? You don't want to leave anything to chance. No. You don't want to leave anything to chance. And, you know, a home loss to Pittsburgh, which right now is not in the tournament uh, by Lenardi, but maybe should be be thought about if they win this game and win a couple of others. They they look like a pretty good team to me. But um, you don't want to leave anything to chance if you're Clemson and you lose a game like this. You're starting to put yourself back in that chancy conversation. Kind of a crowd that they have tonight. What's the atmosphere like at Little John? Well, it's not bad. It's not full. It's gotten a little more uh, filled in as the game has moved on. I'm going to say probably it maxes out at about nine. They probably will announce about 7,500 or 8,000. But they've been they've been loud. They've been supportive. Atmosphere has been okay, been okay. All right. You know, they had a baseball game that took a lot out of them today. <laughs> a lot of home I'm runs. Wondering how many of the, I'm wondering how many of the fans made the uh, walk over from Doug Kingsmore after the baseball game. Yeah, it's only about 100 yards, so probably a bunch of them, you know. 
Probably a hope bunch so. of them. Big game for their team. Both of these games were, but especially the basketball one here tonight. All right, Phil, are you going to uh, continue to put yourself on self-probation and not get any popcorn here at halftime? Um, that was only during the show I wouldn't eat the popcorn. Aha. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. That was <laughs> only during o'clock. the show. At 8 o'clock. Yeah, it goes. You're off eight, probation. Eight, eight o'clock. It's it's me and um, it's me and uh, what's the name of that uh, popcorn brand? Um, Orville Redenbacher. That's it. It's me and Orville. Yeah, no, me and Orville. Come not a sponsor of Sports Talk. Well, you know what? At eight o'clock, Phil. Why are they yeah, not? Everybody, sp- uh, Smitty. I ask you that question. Why are they not a sponsor of Sports Talk? <laughs> at, at eight o'clock. <laughs> Corn can go Jason Kelsey. The shirt comes off, the popcorn in hands. <laughs> yeah, there's only one Cuts big loose. difference between he and I. And that is who'll be sitting on his arm. Not that there's anything wrong with who might be sitting on my arm, but who'll be sitting on his arm. You know what I mean? Yes, I do, but I'm not sure I would have said that. You need to uh, back that up just a little bit, Phil. You have a fine, fine partner for the rest oh, yeah, of your life. Absolutely. Fine spouse. Hey, listen, Love the Mrs. Corn. You let those two get married and hang together for 45 years and give me a call. That's all what right? I'm talking about. And let's see what the two of them look like 45 years down the road. <laughs> By the way, before we cut you loose, uh, you may not have heard, Smitty admonished you for your eating on the air earlier, so I'll let him yeah. scold you now before we turn you off and yes. go to something Sorry else. about I that, actually, Smitty. I, I, no, I, I'm not as concerned about you eating on the air. It's kind of claiming that it's the only time you've ever done it. I mean, come on. <laughs> 40 years. I mean, a man's got to eat sometime. And I was in a situation yesterday where, you know, I've been playing golf all day. Golf is not a leisurely sport for me. It might be for you, okay? But it's not for me. I burn up a lot of calories. And so I was, you know, I was starving, and the only time to eat was right between 6 and 8. So, I tried to work it out so that it didn't interfere with my enunciation, pronunciation, delivery, smoothness. I think I pretty much pulled that off except for once, the one time that you heard me. <laughs> and that's because I had these really good olives. They had some really good, you know, everything at the Heritage is first class, Harbortown, all that. Indeed. It's first class. And, and the olives whoa, 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 that they whoa, whoa, had last realize. night were first class. Whoa, I didn't realize this was the heritage. Oh, forget it, Corn. No, anything goes. If you're in that company, forget it. No, do yep. what you want. I'm sorry. I didn't absolutely. realize that this was from the heritage. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah, this was from last night. This, this was, what happened, Smitty, was I, I somebody called me out on our feed, and I said, no, I didn't eat while I was on the air. And then going back and listening to some of the show last night, I noticed that I did. So tonight I – Apologize for doing it and apologize for lying about it. So, a double whammy on my part. I'm just surprised the folks in Beaufort County and Hilton Head would uh, not run you out of there for eating with your mouth open. <laughs> I did not do it while Steve Wilmot <laughs> was sitting across from me, though I did have, I was embarrassed, I did have some olive juice dripped on my shirt. And that's oil, that's greasy oil, and that just does not come out. <laughs> I was rubbing just, like hell to try to get it off of there, but I just couldn't. Just as long as you didn't spill any of it on Steve's snazzy plaid jacket that he had on no, the air. He was wearing that Corn. thing too, man. He was wearing around, walking around wearing that thing Corn, all day. I think, 
All right, I think we have now absolutely ruined the magic of radio. We could have we could have just kept the illusion, the allure alive, theater yeah. of the mind, but now we've got you dripping olive juice on your shirt yeah. at Hilton Hill. My favorite Perfect golf time to dude. say goodbye. My favorite oh, golf shirt. All right, I'll leave you guys. 31-27 Pittsburgh over Clemson. We'll continue to tweet here in the second half post-game coverage on the website. All right, Phil. Enjoy. So uh, 31 to 27, Phil will have full, complete coverage up at sportstalksc.com. Smitty and I are on baseball duty. He'll have the recap of the Clemson win earlier today over USC Upstate. I'll have a recap of the Gamecocks win over Gardner-Webb. Smitty, appreciate it. It's always filling in, my friend. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Three homers for Will Taylor. Tune in to sportstalksc.com. Check it out. We'll have the details. Josh, thank you as well. Yep. And, folks, we will see you back here tomorrow. Hump Day edition of Sports Talk tomorrow night at 6. Don't forget to tune in. See you then.